Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Bear fruit in every good work. Grow in the knowledge of God. Be strengthened in His might, in His glorious power, so that you might have endurance and patience. This is the very word of our God as it is found in today's epistle lesson from Colossians chapter 1. Well, you know, the human mind is a fabulous uh, computer. No human being has ever been able to design something as efficient and as intricate as the human mind. Scientists tell us, I don't know how they figure this out, but they tell us that the human mind is capable of knowing a hundred trillion facts. Scientists also tell us that we think 10,000 thoughts a day. And not only that, our mind can literally function and remember all kinds of things, day after day, year after year. The University of Michigan hospital system uh, about 15 years ago had a motto that went something like this. It said, knowledge heals. Knowledge heals. You know, often people recognize that knowledge is often equated with power. Power to do things. Power to accomplish all kinds of things. Uh, my confirmation students sometimes uh, whine and complain that their mind is too tired to literally uh, put to memory sections of God's Word. But the body may get tired, but the brain never does. Scientists tell us that we only use about 2% of our mind's capacity. The point is, is that you and I are capable of an incredible amount of work and an incredible amount of knowledge. In spiritual things, like in many other things, knowledge, again, is powerful. As we come to know Jesus more deeply, we come to know that we are saved by His grace. We come to know uh, the forgiveness of our sins and the certainty of everlasting life. Growing in the knowledge of the Lord and what He has done for us is crucial for us every day of our life. Well, today we begin our fall programming at Christ our King with our ministry, mission and ministry fair, with Sunday school classes and adult Bible classes beginning throughout the week. You know, maybe this is a negative way to start, but, you know, I think a lot of people knowingly or unknowingly stunt their spiritual growth. But how can you stunt something? You know, you stunt something when you don't take care of it, when you don't feed it. I have an example in my life where I stunted something besides myself. I remember when I was a young boy begging my father to have my own pen of rabbits. My father, for Easter one year, bought me a pen of rabbits. And I faithfully took care of them, week after week, month after month. But then somewhere along the line, I uh, grew tired of taking care of them every single day. So I didn't feed them and water them every single day. I stunted their growth. And one day, I went out there to witness this horrible sight 
my rabbits had died. And I was to blame because I had not taken care of them. I had not fed them. We can stunt a lot of things in our life. We can stunt our flowers and our plants if we don't water them. We can stunt our body if we don't take care of it and if we don't feed it properly. Same thing is true of our spiritual growth. But how can you stunt your spiritual growth? Well, the first way you can stunt your spiritual growth is to cut back on your communication with God. You know, God's got a lot of great things that He wants to communicate with us. He communicates to us through His Word. You know, God desires to have this personal relationship with us. Christianity is more than just uh, creeds. It is more than just ideologies. It is a personal living relationship. But again, how can you communicate with God? Jesus answers that question in John chapter 8 when he says this. He says, if you abide in my word, then you are really my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Abide is one of those powerful words in the Greek. The nuance or the context of that word is this uh, ongoing action that never, ever, ever stops. Remember what Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The Bible, God's Word, has this incredible way of opening up a window of understanding for us. God's Word is like nothing else. It is alive and it is powerful. And when you read it and when you study it and when you listen to it, God the Holy Spirit is there working faith in our hearts. Again, it's like water to a plant. If a believer decides that they want to regress spiritually, then a surefire way to do it is to do this. Stay away from worship. Don't go to Sunday school or Bible class. And don't go to Holy Communion. Because all of those places are where God does the unthinkable. God comes to us in His Word. I see Ernie come into a church this morning and he's got a shirt on with a shark on it. you got the shark shirt. Isn't there a golfer known as the shark? I think so. But you know that some people actually go around and, uh, and get baby sharks and they put them in their aquarium. If you take a baby shark and put it in your aquarium at home, I don't know who would do that, but if you put one in your aquarium, the shark stays the same size in proportion to its surroundings. So a shark in an aquarium can sometimes only grow to about six inches long. But that same shark that is in the ocean can grow to what? Same shark can grow to more than eight feet long. Again, that can also happen to some Christians. God does not call us to be little six-inch Christians who swim around in an aquarium or in a mud puddle. God calls us into a bigger arena. God calls us by the Holy Spirit 
to be in the Word, to go out into the world, into all nations, to baptize and to proclaim, to teach the Word of God. But that can only happen if we are in communion with God. Thank God we are saved by grace alone. question is, how do we respond? Scripture admonishes us to grow in holy living, to grow by being in the Word. The second way one can stunt their spiritual growth is by occupying their mind and their time with some all-consuming passion other than God. It's what the Bible calls a simple idolatry. Anything that becomes more important, or it's a matter of priorities, isn't it? What becomes first in our life becomes our God. Jesus, though, put it this way. He said what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all of these other things will be added unto you as well. But again, how easy it is to seek first the things of this world. But why is that? It's because our world is success-oriented. You know, our children learn quickly that our system of competition in uh, whatever realm, striving for success, in and of itself is not a bad thing. If we seek to do what is best with our abilities, with our talents that God has given us to give Him honor and glory and to make a difference in the lives of other people. Our success, though, sadly in this world, is often measured by the amount of money we have or the things that we possess. Daily, we're faced with a choice. Seek Christ and His kingdom first, or turn from God and become a part of an anxious, worried world. You see, whatever a person puts their trust in with all their heart, other than God, will bring about what? Anxiety, worry, and spiritual regression. Pick your poison. Any one of them will do nicely. The third way one can stunt their spiritual growth is to purposely stay away from other Christians. Now often the thought in our world today is, who needs other Christians? Or who needs the church. When was the last time you heard in your own personal life that the church is made up just of a bunch of hypocrites? That really bugs me when I hear that because that charge being made by that person is often truer of that person than the one they're accusing of being hypocrites. Is the church made up of a bunch of hypocrites? Absolutely. One more won't make any difference. The church of today has become the brunt of jokes. The church today is seen by some people as obsolete and dangerous, and these charges are made by many, even in the church. You know, it's easy to dump on the church. It's easy to blame the church for everything that's wrong in our society. But, you know, we need to be very careful about dumping on the church. Because the church is God's creation. He created it. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. 
Jesus Christ died for the church. We have to be really careful about how we speak about God's church. The church is the bride of Christ. It is special to Him. Yes, the church, you've probably heard this before, is not a hotel for the display of the saints, but it is a hospital for sinners. That's why we're here today, because we are sinful people in need of a Redeemer. You want to stay, if you want to stunt your spiritual growth, then stay away from Christians. Because I'm going to tell you that many of them will love you deeply. Many of them will listen to you for hours and hours. And some of them, as we witnessed this morning with our prayer ministry, some of them will even pray for you. They'll walk with you through trials and tribulations. Now, will they sometimes let you down? Absolutely. But thank God they follow one who is in the forgiveness business. You know, I for one look forward to being in the body of believers. I look forward to being here on Sunday morning because I look forward to being encouraged and lifted up. And, and sometimes, sometimes they even encourage me in my faith. They help guard me against spiritual ruin. Now, I admit that sometimes life in the church can be pretty stinky. You know, think about life on the ark for Noah. Life on the ark must have been pretty stinky, but it's like my wife tells me all the time, what was the alternative? Thank God for the church. He's the head of the church. He knows that we need him as well as fellow believers to help us grow in our faith. All right, I'm just about done here. I'm down to my last point. Okay, if you want to stunt your spiritual growth, a sure-fired way to do that is to practice the fine art of lying to yourself. Now, we have a lot of people in the world today who are lying to themselves about the subject of sin. There are many people in the world today, people tell me repeatedly that they've never done anything wrong in their life. People tell me that sin is however you want to define it. Many have learned the fine art of lying to themselves. We teach our children not to lie. Why? Because we don't want them to deceive ourselves. In one of the most powerful passages in Scripture, John writes, if we say we have no what? Sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. The devil loves it when we lie to ourselves, The devil loves it when we claim we've never done anything wrong. And the devil loves it when we say to ourselves, you know what? I'm so good, I don't need a redeemer. I don't need a savior. When that happens, truth no longer registers. And people spin farther and farther away from reality. And ultimately, they self-destruct. And often they have no one to blame but themselves. It's also true that when one deceives themselves, that little voice in the back of your head, if you fail to listen to your God-given conscience after a period of time, what happens? It goes away. It stops speaking. It's a terrible thing when God turns people over to themselves. 
Again, have we stunted our spiritual growth? Absolutely. I have, you have, more often than we want to admit. But thank God you and I have a Savior. Yes, we confess we are sinners. The law shows us our sin. The purpose of the law, though, is to show us how desperately we need a Savior. Jocelyn said it so well in her message. Uh, I love that message that she proclaimed. Uh, Jesus is our Savior, the one who suffered God's wrath on our behalf so that we might have the certainty of forgiveness and eternal life. Thank God we follow one who is in the forgiveness business. Thank God we follow the one who has set us free. Set us free from death. Set us free so that we can live with him forever. God gives us the very best food in his word. So how shall we respond? Again, today is our mission and ministry fair. Pastor Don starts every one of his Bible classes with what? The statement of mission. So if you know it, you got it memorized, say it with me. Activated by the Holy Spirit, we will glorify God in our worship, in the study of His Word, in our witness, and in our work, so that all people might come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So live a life worthy of the Lord. Please Him in every way. Bear fruit in every good work. And yes, grow in the knowledge of God. Be strengthened by His glorious might so that you might have endurance and patience. God's blessings to you. In His name we ask it. Amen. And we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You again today for the peace that passes all understanding. Often, Lord, we look for answers and we look for peace in all the wrong places. Lord, you tell us to seek you first in your kingdom, in your righteousness. Then all these other things will be added unto us as well. Help us, Lord, in our mission, in our ministry here in this place. Forgive us when we mess up. Forgive us, Lord, when we turn to other answers or sources besides you. And give us a very special measure of your spirit to boldly proclaim your word. Lord, we pray it in your name and all of God's people said, Amen.